Welcome to Cinema of Meaning, the podcast from myself, Thomas Flight, and fellow video essayist Tom Vanderlinden from Like Stories of Old, that seeks to explore the depths of what cinema has to offer. This week, we're talking about Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, directed by The Daniels. Tom, this is a movie that I loved a lot and was waiting very impatiently for you to be able to watch it. It came out in the U.S. a while before it was out there. I wanted to talk about it. I kind of forced you to talk about it, whether you wanted to or not. <laughs> but now that you've seen it, mm -hmm. do you think this is a film that maybe lived up to the hype? Yes, I think. I only saw it for the first time last week, and then I watched it again today. So it's a lot of movie to take in. Like It's very yes. over the top and very loud and visually like overwhelming. So there's a lot coming at you, especially when you see it for the first time. So even though I've watched it like a week ago for the first time, I'm still like digesting it a little bit. My gut reaction after the first time the credits rolled was that it was definitely a movie that I'd be happy to talk about on the podcast. So there's at least that. <laughs> <laughs> and I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was much more funny than I expected. I didn't expect it to be like so action heavy for because I seen like a part of the trailer, but I'd never seen like the full trailer. Like I grasped like the concept of it. And then I saw like a lot of hype from other people who had already seen the movie. So I figured like, yeah, okay, I'll just watch it whenever it comes out. Yeah. So I actually didn't go in with too many expectations, except for that it was a story about the multiverse and a struggle to deal with multiple realities and being overwhelmed by the nihilism of it all and trying to find some meaning within the noise. And overall, I think it explored it really well. There's some issues that I have some question marks with, like a, not necessarily like even criticisms, but like points that I'm not yet sure about. But yeah, overall, it's. I thought it was really interesting, really fascinating, especially like some, it was really like a distinct voice that I really enjoyed. And yeah, I look forward to digging into it further. Yeah, this was a movie that kind of unexpectedly like hit me in a really profound way. I don't think I was expecting it to be a movie that I would love so much. I had heard some of the hype before I watched it. A few people saying like, you know, this is amazing. This is one of the best things I've seen in a long time. I enjoyed the director's previous film, Swiss Army Man, but that movie is such a goofy, like bizarre film that I just didn't really know what to expect from this one. And as it was like going, like for the first hour or so, I was really entertained and I was like, oh yeah, this is fun. You know, there's a lot of... Mm -hmm there's some interesting action there's it's pretty funny the way it's shot and the way they kind of set up the world and move between the multiverses is just like really fun but then it kind of all that setup kind of ramps up in intensity and they take it to some very interesting places philosophically and kind of explore some interesting ideas and questions and for whatever reason it's just a movie that it like hits me in a certain way emotionally. I think like I've cried every time I've I've watched it all three times, which I didn't expect. Like I kept thinking like, oh, you know, like I cried the first time, but probably won't hit me as hard the second time or the, th yeah. you know, and then I thought the same thing the third time and then it just keeps hitting me. So what was the moment that broke you? This isn't really a spoiler, but people who have seen it will know the, the rocks right around the rocks. Mm. For some reason, there's like I think there's just sort of like an emotional resonance to like what the movie's doing that for me, like at that point, it's just speaking to a certain like intensity and sense of overwhelm that I think I've 
been kind of feeling to a certain degree, like with just the internet and like modern culture and like all of these things. And it's very much hitting on that. And then there's this moment where it just kind of contrasts that with something that's kind of the moment that first gets me. And then from there on, it's just like, you know, patchy, different stuff tugs at me. So yeah, I'm excited to dive into this and explore some of the different elements and see what we find. You want to try and give a basic overview of the plot? Because that's... (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So Everything Everywhere All at Once is about a family that runs a laundromat that's kind of struggling a little bit. Specifically, it's about the mother, Evelyn Wong, And they are like overdue on their taxes. They have to go to the IRS, take all their taxes. They're struggling to get all the paperwork in order. And there's a big New Year's party that's happening. And the husband, Waymond, is like feeling unsatisfied with his relationship with Evelyn. And the daughter, Joy, is like distant from the family or feels like disconnected. And so they go to do their taxes. And while they're on their way to the IRS agent, Waymond like transforms into somebody else. And it turns out a different Raymond from another multiverse is jumping kind of into the Waymond in this universe. And he gets in contact with Evelyn and tells her that she needs to suddenly become this person who's capable of moving between multiverses to fight off this like threat to the entire like multiverse that's happening like there's something special about her that can make her like the person who can like solve this problem and fight things off and then it just kind of like from there continues to descend into madness as she begins to yeah move between these multiverses and try to deal with this problem that's maybe the best summary i can try to give of like what's happening like the initial premise i think yeah. Yes. The story that's actually happening beyond that is something else entirely. And we can get into that. But like at its core, the emotional story that I think it's telling is a lot more basic and like human and actually not that complicated overall. Do you want to dive into spoiler territory right away or? It's going to be hard to avoid too many yeah. spoilers. Because I think for me, at least, the story didn't kick in until we yes. had a reveal of like the main antagonist of this movie or the threat to the multiverse, which, spoiler alert, I guess, is revealed yeah. to be a version of Evelyn's daughter, Joy. So to kind of continue on your explanation, the awayment that's visiting Evelyn is from what is known as the Alphaverse, like the first universe to make contact with the other universes or with the multiverse. And apparently in that universe, they kind of pressured Joy to also be like someone who jumps in between multiverses, but they pushed her too far. And as a result, she had her mind like fractured and she now exists, as the title says, like everything, everywhere, all at once. She's like completely divided over all the different multiverses, which has made her like very cynical, very nihilistic, because if everything, every reality is equal to the other one, like nothing in any particular reality matters anymore, at least not to in her perception. And so she's created this bagel, apparently. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) At some point she put everything on the bagel, apparently out of boredom, I guess, or for some reason. 
and she stopped like literally everything in the universe and it became like this black hole that sucks everything in and is now threatening to literally suck everything in like destroy all the multiverses and just yeah. total devastation and so that's the for me at least the real story like it's between Evelyn's yeah. own search for like meaning within her possible life paths because as she explores the multiverse she has to come to terms with like other lives that she could have lived and so she's kind of at risk of becoming like joy like of becoming someone who does no longer cares and who just has no meaning or no attachment to any universe in particular and she has to find like some anchor points like something to hold on to something to make her existence more meaningful i guess yeah there's this interesting tension with Evelyn as a character where so the alpha Evelyn, the Evelyn, when Wayman finds the Evelyn that we first meet, mm -hmm. the alpha Wayman, they call him from the original universe. He kind of trains her how to jump between multiverses. He also tells her that the original Evelyn is the one who like discovered first jumping, but that she's died in every universe because Jobu Topaki, who is Joy, this evil arch nemesis, whatever you would call her, the villain of the movie is finding her and like killing her in these these different multiverses. But so Evelyn is kind of stuck in this place where she's having to learn verse jumping for the sake of being able to combat Jobu Topaki, her daughter, mm -hmm. because every time you verse jump, you can gain skills that allow you to fight better or or whatever. But there's also sort of a danger to verse jumping. So like the good guys, quote unquote, like Waymond and Evelyn have this sense of like, well, you verse jump to gain these abilities, but you don't want to go too far because that's the path that Joy went down that led to her being Jobu Topaki. Like if you jump too much, your mind could become fractured. So you have to be careful of that. But also as she begins to jump between these two verses, she's experiencing different versions of her life that could have happened if she had taken a different path in life. Like if she had just studied Kung Fu, if she had not married Waymond and come to the US and started a laundromat, like all of these things, she's seeing these different versions of her possible mm -hmm. life and having to encounter that over the course of the movie, she's kind of having to struggle with like coming to terms with the life that the universe she's living inside of. There's an interesting arc for her character and there's a lot that she's kind of grappling with with this multiverse experience let's just get into it because it's so complicated i think trying to hold back from the most interesting stuff is going to make the discussion difficult so i say let's let's just get to the core of it and then we can we can unravel it from there but then the most interesting thing for me is kind of there's the initial twist like you said of finding out that joy is the villain but then there's a kind of another twist beyond that that happens towards the end where we start to realize that maybe Joy like isn't the villain after all, or that like the parents are perceiving her to be the villain, but that really she's just trying to find a sense of meaning or a sense of purpose and feeling lost and disconnected and everything. And Evelyn kind of goes down this path of like following her and verse jumping everywhere and kind of fracturing her own mind in an attempt to understand the world that her daughter is living in to try to understand and connect with that. And I think that's the most interesting like conflict of the film is ultimately like between Evelyn and, and her daughter and the different kind of like perspectives of, on life that they're having and having to grapple with. Yeah. So what do you think 
that the world is that Joy is living in. I think we it's pretty clear like the whole movie is sort of meant to represent like the younger generation, especially who is yes. like permanently online. And we are witnessing all these different possibilities more than ever before. Like we're constantly being bombarded with like possible life paths and things that we could do, stuff that we could buy, places to visit, people to meet, like partners to engage with everything everywhere all at once like the title suggests yes yes that's kind of the experience of the modern age of the internet as this film seems to communicate i'm not sure if you agree but yeah no i i definitely think so there's a portion of this that reminded me somewhat of it's very different in style it's a it's a movie not a comedy special but there was parts of this that reminded me a lot of the bo burnham special from mm. almost exactly a year ago now his song little bit of everything all of the time kind of hits on the same kind of core idea in a sense about the internet just being this like yeah explosion of everything and overwhelm the like multitude of choice and seeing everything that leads to a sort of almost nihilism there's also another interesting parallel between everything everywhere all at once and bo burnham's make happy i'm not sure if you've seen that yes but it's been a little bit there's a song at some point where he i think it's the last one where he sings about getting a burrito and he's picking the ingredients but at the end it turns out he's picked too many and the burrito falls apart <laughs> which kind yeah. of reminded me of the way joy tries to put everything on the bagel but it's too much and then the whole thing implodes so there's in both of these examples there's like individuals who try to engage with the world by having it all or having like a little bit of everything and it just it's too much it's overwhelming and in the end they end up with basically nothing or like something that's self-destructive in a sense yeah there's a sense within that experience of you're experiencing everything everywhere all at once you're experiencing this overwhelm that kind of takes you up to this brink of of nihilism but there's also this sense in which like you can't deny all the things the everything bagel in a sense like feels meaningful in a way that keeps you from just like stepping away from it and and returning to normal life i'm just curious in talking about this movie there's a lot still yet that we'll cover but like this experience of like hyperactive onlineness that i think the movie's getting at and kind of like playing with and then the generational disconnect between like the people who are experiencing that and the people who haven't or aren't really experiencing it and like don't really understand it because they're not in that world but i'm curious for you to what extent like you feel like you've experienced this phenomenon that i think the film is kind of illustrating this like experience mm -hmm. of being online of like almost having seen too much do you feel like you've experienced that personally and has that impacted you yeah, definitely in some ways, I think. Though I've also been like very active in trying to navigate that exact issue or trying to avoid it in some right. way by being aware that I can't have everything everywhere all at <laughs> right, once, yes. that I have to make choices, that I have to force myself to kind of set boundaries and be okay with what I have. And while still, you know, being able to have ambitions or desires for other stuff that you don't drown in like the ocean of endless potential and just get lost in everything that you could be and instead focus on what you are and what you maybe like a handful of things that you want to be or want to have or whatever. I think it was more of an issue when I was in my early 20s when 
that's the kind of period in my life, at least, where I went to university, like people were pressuring me to build my resume to add all these interesting experiences because of course like getting your master's degree is no longer good enough you also need to show that you're a unique individual with unique experiences who's been to unique places and done special things and so i was worried that i'd not have enough like work experience and internships and travels and like i didn't go to asia to find myself or and then even when you did, it turns out your true self is actually in South America. So right, you go yeah. there too. And <laughs> <laughs> it was always like changing from year to year, like what the place to go was, like from Thailand to Peru to Australia and helping little kids in Africa or something like that. And and especially when Instagram and Facebook became like more of a thing, you became confronted with like all the stuff that other people were doing and that you were not. And that I think one of the pitfalls that I fell into was that you compare your individual life with like the combined lives of everyone else. Yeah. So you see someone went to Africa, someone went to Peru and someone went to Indonesia and you're like, oh, I have to do all three of those. Otherwise I won't have like the full life experience that those people had, even though they only did that and might not have done something else that you did or because that's the thing too. You kind of like downplay the things that you did already do in your life and but yeah over the years i've grown more at ease with it i think mm -hmm. because i can also see more clearly now like what parts of my experiences and my general history led to the things that i'm doing now which i'm pretty happy with so like yeah i didn't do any unique internships or i don't have much work experience in my original field which was spatial planning like what was I going to do in that? <laughs> in hindsight, <laughs> I'm guessing that once you grow older, you, it starts to become a little bit easier to connect the dots and see which like little paths were meaningful and which were less so and which worries of your younger self don't seem as worrisome now. But I think that's where I'm at now. Yeah. How about you? I've definitely had experience with this feeling. I think especially, you know, going into... 2020 is going to sound ridiculous, but like getting on TikTok and being on there a lot and kind of experiencing the internet in that way, it was a very potent version of something that like, I think I'd already experienced in other places with like Instagram or YouTube. But there was something about TikTok in its very hyper-personalized and short format, but just like constant stream that could inundate you with like, you know, if you spent an hour watching TikTok, you could see over the course of that hour, you know, hundreds of different videos from all around the world of all different kinds of life experiences, of different snippets of information. Of And it was almost like, you know, scrolling through a kind of multiverse of like just seeing how mm -hmm. hundreds of people live their lives or different views of the world or beautiful landscapes and then a funny video of a dog you know like tripping down some stairs and then like a cooking recipe and then somebody trying to raise awareness for an important social issue and then the next thing is like you know a funny skit again and then the next thing is like a, the coolest piece of art that you've seen in in like a week and you pack that all into like 60 minutes and you come out the other end and your brain has just, just like has no ability to actually process that. And it starts to kind of turn into this like giant mush of essentially nothingness that like I think is kind of what this movie is getting at with this everything bagel. 
So yeah, I've definitely experienced that. And I think it's something that I'm coming out of a period of being like overwhelmed by that. And I'm doing a better job of like putting in place the boundaries that are needed to not just be like completely lost and overwhelmed in that world. So, you know, a movie like this that is exploring that territory with the kind of the same intensity that I think like being inside that experience has, I think is part of why it resonated with me so intensely because like watching this movie and like as Jobu Tapaki or Joy is like, you know, doing all her crazy tricks and like making heads explode into confetti and water turning bullets into bubbles or whatever, mm -hmm. like, and then the zipping between different multiverses, like it has this very internet, like Gen Z kind of just like excess and everything feeling that mostly comes from the internet at this point. Like not a lot of movies, even like big flashy movies, like Marvel movies and action movies, like feel, I would say relatively tame and slow almost at this point compared to like some of the content that people consume online. Yeah. So I think it was interesting to see a movie that like really put that in your face and kind of confronted you with it. And then actually like, I think kind of tries to explore like what the answer to that might be in an interesting way. So I don't know if we want to go there yet, but I think we should at some point talk about like, I think the more kind of existentialist answer that this this movie is trying to give to this kind of nihilism and, and yeah. how we feel about that. This episode was brought to you by Mubi, the curated streaming service showing hand-picked exceptional films from around the globe. Both Thomas and I have been big fans of Mubi for many years and so we're really glad that we can now feature them on our podcast too and offer you an extended free trial. With Mubi you can watch a new film every day, whether it's a timeless classic, a cult favorite or an acclaimed masterpiece. There's no better way to explore the riches of cinema. They have a fantastic library with hundreds of beautiful films. Personally, I'm forever grateful to Mubi for hosting a unique version of Terence Malick's Voyage of Time that isn't available anywhere else in the world. As the title suggests, the film offers an awe-inspiring journey from the beginning of time to the forming of planets, life and eventually humanity, and also speculates about our destiny and the future of our cosmos as a whole. Again, this profound documentary is available exclusively on Mubi. And if you go to mubi.com slash cinema of meaning, or just follow the link in the show notes, you can try Mubi yourself for free for 30 days. So be sure to claim your extended free trial and start your month of great cinema today. One more thing I'll add about the multiverse as a metaphor for society or yeah. modern the modern experience is that that's one that I do still struggle with increasingly actually is that not so much the consequences of this onslaught of content and worldviews and images or not like on an individual level but more so on the collective level like what's it doing to our social connections what's it doing to our yeah. relations to each other when when like everyone is kind of disappearing into their own little multiverse and everyone's going down their own pipeline towards some place that we cannot follow or that's one thing I do struggle with the feeling that people are kind of drifting out of touch with each other because our experiences are becoming so personalized and so specific that we no longer know how to relate with like the other 
quote-unquote universes, yeah. so to say. It's kind of like if everyone had the ability to travel to different universes and then they actually started doing so. And now, like, if in the movie, like, someone's living in a universe with hot dog for fingers, or, right, like, yeah. someone's living in a universe where they're all rocks, like, it's it's becoming harder to, like, connect them between each other, like, yes. to or to form, like, bridges or connections. And, yeah, that that's one thing I do struggle with at the moment and that i do not see like an immediate way out of yeah i mean in in some sense it's tackling this idea of like the social constraints and the social norms that we have and like the sometimes very legitimate desire to like break those down and get rid of them where they're oppressive or where they inhibit like the freedom that people should have but then, you know, at the same time, there can be a certain cost to that where like if you have, I mean, I, I know at least like in America, there's to a certain extent a discussion about like we highly value our individualism here. And there's this sense in which like everyone is encouraged and allowed to just kind of be, you know, as freely who they are as they can or as they want. That's kind of the ideal that's upheld. But then at a certain point, you kind of have to weigh that against the, the like hidden cost there of, you know, not being able to even operate or feel like you're part of a collective or like feeling a lack of community or like being disconnected from a community because of that just like rampant and in, like fierce independence or freedom. And I think that's an idea that it's kind of exploring here is that that sense of like, mm -hmm. well... I can be whatever I want. And this idea that like, well, that may be the case, but is there something lost in that? Like is mm -hmm. complete freedom, you know, where's that balance between like an oppressive social constraint and just like so much freedom that things start to become like meaningless. And it becomes oppressive in its own right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to touch on? You said there was some elements of it that like didn't quite click for you or resonate or work or something like that. You want to talk about what some of those things were maybe? There's a part of this film that reminded me of Eternals, which also had this great existential thematic undercurrent, but that eventually, I guess it's the problem of making or taking like an existential issue and making it so big that it becomes too big almost to say anything meaningful about sure um because that really was as we talked about in the episode on eternals like our, our i think both of our issue with that movie that it talked about like human beings are good but then why do they do violence well they're nice too sometimes <laughs> right, so yeah. i guess we should be able to exist like this when you generalize to like this such high point it becomes almost impossible to say anything that's specifically meaningful about such issues and i wonder to what extent you felt like maybe this movie everything everywhere all at once was also at risk of doing so because we opened this door to like the infinite uh, number of possible universes in which joy or the the, the juju chewbacca as <laughs> evelyn mispronounced it <laughs> her villain version is kind of drifting between all of them and She's experiencing this endless potential of multiverses and uh, nothing matters anymore. So now she has to do find like some reason to care, but we haven't really touched on him yet. But Wayman's character who suddenly comes in with like this grand message almost about being kind. And there's a more general issue that of just 
appreciating kind of what you have and choosing to like place your focus on one existence instead of being distracted by all of the possible ones. But to what extent do you think it was successful in giving you a real like tangible message about these questions or that it was just maybe slightly too general about about what it was trying to do and therefore maybe ended up with like certain platitudes instead of like right a really poignant message i think that's an interesting question because in a lot of ways it does hit on a lot of different points like so we kind of get to this head in the film where you know the everything bagel's starting to really suck things up and evelyn's mm-hmm. like trying to stop jobu Dupaki but failing and then the film kind of moves towards like providing some kind of resolution to this this whole mess and like you alluded to there's there's a lot of different kind of things that it offers up one is wayman's sense of like he kind of expresses this idea of you know he has this philosophy of like he sees how bad everything is but he kind of has this unfailing like positive attitude and tries to win by you know having a strategic positivity or optimism Mm -hmm. which i i really liked the treatment they gave his character in that moment of like allowing him to say like i'm not naive like distinguishing his sense of positivity from just like pure naivete which i i thought was really nice but then so that's kind of one answer and then you have sort of a, a later beat that lands on like evelyn saying like like, hey, I'm choosing to just be in this world. I'm not going to care about all the other ones. I'm just going to be in this world with Waymond and Joy. The life that we have here is enough for me. And just kind of like making that choice. That's kind of the the last one. A little bit before that, there's an, another moment where she's kind of like, you know, the love that Waymond and I have for each other, like transcends any different place or time or multiverse. Joy kind of responds to that one by being like, oh, wow, good for you. You know, you had a good feeling, but it goes away. There's also this sense of like, Joy wants to descend, get sucked into the void, just like basically have this moment of like self-annihilation in the everything bagel. And Evelyn is trying to prevent that. But then there's this moment where she kind of like lets go and allows her to do that but then like follows her and we see like the rock jumps off the cliff and like, but she goes after her. There's like a lot of different things happening at the end there. And I don't know that it really is offering any kind of clear, concise, like, hey, this is the way you deal with this situation or this is the the kind of answer to this sort of nihilistic feeling of just like experiencing everything. The reason it works for me personally is that I think like, like the film hits a certain emotional resonance about mm-hmm. dealing with that problem that I think is true in a sense, even though like the like it may not hit on a philosophical bullet point that acts as the answer. And it's more about like the reality that people as humanity as a whole is having to deal with this feeling. And because of that, there's conflict and there's disconnection. There's all these issues that are being presented by this world we're living in and there are going to be different you know maybe answers that people are going to find to that but to move forward it's going to require from everybody some level of like you know acceptance of that reality or placing faith in like a personal connection or like the ability to like 
you know, ignore everything everywhere all at once and like focus in on what's here in the moment. So maybe that does fall into like pretty basic platitudes, but I think like emotionally those beats kind of hit for me in, in the film itself. And so I might be willing to forgive that. But yeah, what do you think about like an answer that this mm -hmm. film is presenting if it is one at the end? I did really like that, as you said, that Waymond is presented as someone who is optimistic and kind, but who is so, not because that's just his disposition and he doesn't know any better, but because he deliberately and consciously made like a strategic choice, like this is how I'm going to live my life. This is how I fight, as he says it. And I think to some extent it works because it really shows like, in the end, like there's no rational resolution to this, I think, yeah. or at least not one that's going to matter for us when we walk out of the theater. So in the end, it's just like what makes you happy. And I do think that the movie shows that the way of nihilism and not caring and just doing nothing, making no connections, having no attachments, that's only going to lead to misery because that's what we also see with Evelyn. Like the first time she jumps, she immediately sees a vision of herself as this wealthy, famous actress slash martial artist who stayed in her country, which I think is also why it's so interesting that we have an immigrant perspective in this movie, mm -hmm. because someone who's made like the choice to move from one country to another will have this innate sense of what if, like, what if I stayed at home? What if I went somewhere else? Or what if this happened? They have a naturally like made this very obvious and very impactful life change that I think is an interesting metaphor for the just making choices in general. But anyways, as she jumps the first time, she sees a life that she thinks would be a better one for her. And yeah. that's also when she kind of hurts Waymond. She says to him, I saw like a different universe and I wish you could have seen it too because I'm, I was so much happier there. <laughs> yeah. Which was kind of mean, but... <laughs> but it's a very funny line yeah. too. <laughs> and so she goes from the excitement of having one like possible alternative life to following more down Joy's path by exploring even more different universes until like none of them make any particular sense. So yeah, in that sense, I do really like that in the end, the message is that you have to like choose one and, or at least make a decision. And I think she does it based on personal attachments. Like even with the multiverse, you'll have like the choice to be anywhere, do whatever you want, but you'll still have your own like subjective attachments. Like, or as Evelyn said to Joy, she became this but she still went to search for her mom and in the same way like yeah. her mom still wants to be with her even though at the end like that wasn't her ultimate potential as Alpha Waymond once says to mm -hmm. Evelyn. So yeah, I actually think it was quite successful if you compare it to something like Eternals. Right, yeah. Not quite as effective I think as something like It's a Wonderful Life which to me is still the best example of how you present a message at the end that you can then reverse engineer a different perspective on the movie as a whole that kind of opens up a new understanding of it. But yeah, and I think what I also really liked is the way she ended up finding beauty in, she doesn't disregard the other multiverses because they are lesser than the one she has right now, but instead she specifically finds beauty in all of them, which makes 
her own also more beautiful. Yeah, yeah. In a way. I think I saw an interview with the director where one of them said, when you stare at something for long enough, you can make anything meaningful. And that's a desperate, dangerous thing, but it's also really beautiful. We need that right now because everyone is staring at everything and seeing no meaning at all. This movie is almost us trying to fight that by saying, look, rocks can make you cry, as was apparent with Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> There's beauty and meaning in everything. It can be butt plug trophies. It can be family drama in a laundromat. We're putting them all on the same plane. There's no lowbrow or highbrow. It all exists and we have to be okay with that. And that to me was, I think that's a beautiful kind of summary of what the story is. And so, yeah, I think in the end it was quite effective in offering some kind of counter weapon or yeah. something to fight like the nihilism and another thing that i also really liked is the way it talked about or it kind of revealed the way nihilism is basically a struggle with our ego i'm not sure if you know there's a actually a book that came out together with the film no i didn't know that it's called a vast pointless gyration of radioactive rocks and gas in which you happen to occur I haven't actually read it because it's sold out on the A24 site. We can put a link in the description below if you want to check it out. But there's some extra stuff about the movie and some short essays. And one of them is by, you can read a, a piece of some of them on the on the internet, which is by Sasha Sagan, the daughter of Carl Sagan. Oh, yes. Who talked about the great demotion that human beings have gradually become less important in their own perception because at first we were the most like special things in creation and it turned out like oh actually we're just animals like all the others and then we were like well at least we still live on the most important planet and then it turned out oh actually the planet is revolving around the sun and the sun is not even like the main sun it's like just one of infinite others in the universe and now most recently we're like trying to come to terms with the fact that even our universe might not be the only one that like we as individuals might not be the only versions of ourselves that exist like there's literally like infinite other versions of us that now might be doing better than us might be doing worse they might be doing so differently from us that we cannot even relate they describe it as this attack on our ego which might also be why we the initial gut reaction to the multiverse is nihilism and meaninglessness because we have to we are so attached to having this singular sense of meaning that we cannot comprehend or cannot deal with the fact that there might be different universes that coexist alongside ours in which we are just living a different life we have to like we're trying to intuitively grasp for some sense of self-importance maybe yeah so yeah and I, th I think that's something that for me revealed something about the way that kind of nihilism works and maybe like gives a suggestion at where it might be coming from that it's actually an issue of or at least in part like also an issue of ego and us trying to yet again having to like chip away at our sense of self-importance. Yeah. And then in that sense, uh, when you have Waymond, his kind of attitude towards kindness, and even when you don't know what's going on, that's also a kind of a sign of humility. Like you don't have to be overpowering to everything, because that's basically what Joy and Evelyn at first, and maybe even like the Alpha characters have been doing. Like they've faced this obstacle, and the first thought is like, I have to fight it like i have to punch yeah. it with 
another character who knows those skills because that's how I solve issues. <laughs> Instead, they could have just maybe, if they've listened to Wayman from the beginning, they could have live and let live, you know? And so, yeah, that's that's roughly my take on the, the ending, I guess. I really love that. There's a universe that visually is kind of referencing in the mood for love or Wonk's, a little bit of Wong Kar Wai's style in some of his films. But in this universe, Evelyn, who is a Kung Fu like master, encounters Waymond, who it's a universe where they didn't get married and they didn't go to the U.S. together. And he's much more successful. Like he went to the U.S. on his own, I think. And I, I forget what he actually ended up doing, but he, like he was financially very successful. Mm -hmm. And they meet each other again and they have this conversation in this alleyway. And she's kind of telling him like, look, if we weren't together, things would have turned out differently. You wouldn't have been like this. And he has this mindset of like, maybe I would rather be like taking care of a rundown laundromat with you than having all this success and, you know, having no connection within that. And so I think you're right in that there's very much this affirmation of like much simpler ideals that like don't necessarily bolster our ego. Like these things that like even a lot of people would say, like if you really got down to the heart of the issue, like there's a lot of people who would say like, oh, the things that really matter are like you know, relationships and love and like caring for others and like these more like simple virtues and these things that like we often class as like some of the most meaningful parts of our lives. But then like so easily that gets overtaken by our sense of like, but I want to be somebody or I want to be successful or I have these ambitions. And so like, I do love that this movie is kind of affirming this more like simple relational like finding the meaning in those elements i mean to a certain extent that's at least a piece of my philosophy or or view of the world i you know i think that's that's true in, in a sense so i do like that it's doing that it's kind of like a matrix <laughs> resurrection in that way where it's like that movie also like kind of moves towards like yeah the relationship between these two people is ultimately like the thing the thing that matters in this situation mm -hmm. and everything else is kind of like we have to like set aside the fight you know yeah. for that to some extent i think it's also because or at least in part is because once you've attached yourself too much to your ego and you start to feed it like there's no satisfying it fully like it will always need more like uh, you'll be chasing success but there's always more success and then in the context of this story there's like there's this universe, but then there's another, and there's even more. Like, and then you end up until the point where it becomes the black hole bagel with no way out. Yeah. <laughs> it just uh, sucks all the life inside itself and then annihilates. And I think, like, I don't know, going back to some of the discussion about whether or not this ending is effective, and like I was saying, like, I think it's really hard to make that counterpoint to that sort of nihilism. Or like the nihilism that is kind of found maybe in that like scientific, what did you call it? The loss of meaning or the loss of significance for the human that sometimes comes with the scientific. Mm -hmm. And they touch on that a little bit in the, in the scene with the rocks where they say like, what new thing are we going to discover that will make us feel like even tinier pieces of shit? And yeah. the answer to that isn't found in like oh, you know, I can reason 
you know, I can stumble across these facts and find these reasons and come to this like empirical answer to that feeling of like loss of meaning. That's the process that gets you to that point in the first place. So like the antidote to that is not found in more of that. I don't think it has to be a much more engaged, like emotional in some sense, like not irrational, but like there's a sense of like maybe like a Kierkegaardian, like kind of leap of faith involved with like saying like, okay, like Mm -hmm. I can look out at the world and see that reality that's being presented to me, but I'm going to choose in spite of that to see meaning in these places that I affirm as good or meaningful. And you can't do that instead of the nihilism. You kind of have to embrace that in spite of it, I think, when you're really confronted with that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely always feels like you're fighting an uphill battle. Yeah. But I do like if you really, if you kind of look between the lines, there's a lot of moments with Waymond throughout the movie where he's almost secretly using his kindness to resolve the conflict in a situation. Yeah, yeah. um, I noticed it the second time more than the first, like especially early on in the film, there's a couple of moments where he specifically almost diffuses some tension that you don't really pick up on as a viewer until like his big moment towards the end. And that's also kind of what reminded me of It's a Wonderful Life, where you also have this character who's, he keeps doing the right thing, but his motivations are are somewhere else. So as as in the audience, you're also, you're connected to his aspirations, not so much to what he's actually doing. And so it's not until the end that you look back and see what really happened, that there's a clear case to be made for the purpose of his kindness and the value of his kindness. And so you see it to a lesser extent in this movie, though not maybe not with the same punch yeah, that yeah. I would have liked. But yeah, then again, not every movie can, can be. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful life. life. So, yeah, so it might be an unfair. Uh, <laughs> Coming soon as a Christmas special, our discussion of, of It's a Wonderful Life, <laughs> which I think is a, a movie we both love. I've seen that movie, I don't know how many times. Yeah, so. it's definitely top. 10 for me (laughs) but yeah we'll uh, talk again at Christmas (laughs) yeah cool yeah I think we hit a lot of the main beats Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think that you know there's so much going on in this movie there's some great action very funny moments and scenes there's some really funny like visual gags and some great like symbolism after I watched it the first time like I realized that the kind of symbol of the circles is like everywhere like you have this the everything bagel is this circle with the hole in the middle and then there's like the round mirror at the beginning and like the circles on the piece of paper that Mm -hmm. Deidre like draws and then staples to her forehead and the googly eye is kind of an inverse like of the bagel which Mm -hmm. is black with a white hole and then the googly eyes are like white circle with a black hole so there's a lot of fun stuff like that they set up some of the like multiverse stuff like early on in the movie before you start jumping between multiverses overall like i just thought it was a a really fun movie in terms of the way it was constructed and and shot and everything like that so yeah pretty good time and also hits on a lot of i think relevant feelings about you know, how things are Mm -hmm. and like what it feels like to try to navigate that world. Is there anything else that we're missing that we should talk about? The one thing I was thinking about was the way it depicts the actual multiverses, because that I think that's one of the major challenges of 
grasping this concept. I think a lot of people get the idea like, oh, there's a different universe in which you made a different choice. But I don't quite think that people grasp the scope of it. Like even I like there's an incomprehensibility to it that when you go back to like the original concept of the multiverse is that the idea that if you have like a single atom and you look at it and then it can move like in this direction or that direction, but it's based on your, like once you observe it moving in one direction, that means there must be a different universe in which it moves to another. And now expand that concept to happening everywhere all the time. And then each of those branches, like the infinite amount of branches that must be happening, like at every moment, all keep branching into like different, even infinitely more branches so there's some sense of fastness to the concept of the multiverse that i think this movie doesn't quite or any movie about the multiverses isn't quite able to fully capture like we talked about dr strange in the multiverse of madness in our bonus episode which is exclusively available on nebula but there too like there's inherent challenge for a movie that's obviously limited in resources and maybe even an imagination in because the universes we see so far they're kind of like similar to the ones that we know yeah. and even in everywhere all at once like the strangest place they go really is the the hot dog fingers or maybe the one where there are piñatas or the rock ones I, i'm not sure but which would count as the most yeah most <laughs> strangest out there <laughs> possible outcome of the course of existence but (laughs) so that's something else that i was thinking about yeah this one gets closer than something like dr strange in that it just throws so much at you that you kind of feel the overwhelm to a certain degree but i think like ultimately like the multiverse as a concept is a lot better as like this kind of metaphor for like the experience of thinking about all your possible life paths or like experiencing the internet and just seeing so much of the world and thinking about like, in a sense, I think like a lot of what people are talking about subconsciously with these kind of multiverse stories is just our world. It's not like we're not actually talking about the idea of a multiverse so much as we're just like grappling with the reality of like just thinking about all the different Mm -hmm. possible lives and all the lives that are being lived just on our planet alone. Like, I'm making a video right now that talks about the documentaries Koyana Skatsi and like Samsara and Baraka, which are documentaries mm-hmm. that just show like, you know, the lives of people and the world and pack as much of it into like an hour and a half as they can. And it creates this bizarre feeling of just like you feel like a human universality to it because you're like, oh, this is in some sense, we're all the same. But then you feel this like vastness to it that's just like incomprehensible. You can't wrap your mind around billions of people just like living out their lives in vastly different ways in like Mm -hmm. an infinite number of what feels like effectively an infinite number of combinations and within that context like our own life can feel just like utterly insignificant so we don't even have to as humans expand it like theoretically expand it out to a multiverse for it to become just this like overwhelming experience like the, our own world, if we really think about all the people that are around us and all the lives that are, that we're living is already that overwhelming. Yeah. I think the multiverse just becomes like a good, nice metaphor for that. The actual theories of like multiverse that are out there in a more scientific sense, you're right. It's that like if you were trying to depict that kind of place, it's much less filmic, it's much less cinematic. I think I read something once, somebody writing about multiverses that like, 
the vast majority of them would just be like an empty void where like a single mm. observing consciousness just like happened to pop into existence. Like statistically, there would be more of those than there would be like a fully formed world with like a bunch of living beings on it or something. So like when you get into that space, it just gets really weird and bizarre in a way that I, yeah. I don't I don't know if you could even try to film. I'm not sure if it was official or quote unquote official multiverse theory, but this idea that you can kind of will universes into being by just imagining them because that's kind of suggested in the movie where Evelyn mispronounces the movie Ratatouille right. and she <laughs> turns it into Rakakuni and then later she goes into this universe that has an actual Rakakuni yeah. with the chef and stuff. <laughs> There's some of the idea too that Joy says something about like something happens and she's like oh that's just a statistical in inevitability and I think like there's that idea too mm -hmm. that if you have like a true infinite arrangement of all possibilities, it's like you can find a universe where anything is happening. Yeah, it's like the ultimate Murphy's Law come to manifest right. itself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So a mind-shatteringly impossible idea to actually try to wrap your head around. Yeah. Comparatively, we're not doing too yes. bad. Yeah. <laughs> the realities that we're exposed to is relatively limited right yeah we should maybe we should be you know we should be thankful for that <laughs> <laughs> i think if we would be exposed to actual multiverse we would our heads would explode in like the fraction yeah. of a second it would be like the everything bagel but you couldn't even stand there and stare into it you would just like catch yeah. a glimpse of it out of the corner of your eye and then dissolve into a <laughs> a sesame seed or something <laughs> like staring straight into chernobyl <laughs> yeah there's one last thing i want to mention and that's the connection with adhd the yes. attention yeah. deficit disorder I'm, I'm not sure what the abbreviation stands for in english but i read somewhere that i think it was a even that the directors explored the concept of ADHD, the attention deficit disorder for Evelyn, the main character. And then they, in that process, they found out they had undiagnosed uh, ADHD, ADHD yeah. themselves. But, <laughs> but that's, I think, also an interesting angle from which to view her character as someone who is always searching for like stimulation and who is very perpetually like distracted and who needs to try to find some sense of grounding within the fuzziness of her own head so to say so yeah i just i kind of wanted to mention it as a uh, perspective from which to look at this character it definitely resonates i i don't know that i've talked about it online but i have never been formally diagnosed but i'm quite suspicious that i had adhd as as a child and maybe carried that into adulthood and mm. in, in some sense i have a lot of the markers of that and had a lot of them when I was younger. Mm -hmm. I wasn't in the traditional school system. So I I think like I avoided a lot of the negative impact that that would have had on me if I had been because I my schooling environment was able to adapt more to the style of learning that I think like works for me well. If I do have it, I've been fortunate enough that it hasn't had that extensive of a negative impact on, you know, my life or my ability to to function in the mm -hmm. world. But that may be part of the reason why this resonated so strongly with me. The thing about that that I think amplifies this is not only are you thrown into this environment where all of this stuff is happening and there's endless possibility, but when you have a mind driven by ADHD, like I think people with 
ADHD are more driven to like go speeding through that world with <laughs> such an intensity that, you know, it amplifies that that overwhelming sense like that stimulation draws people deeper and deeper into that world but then also i think like and i i don't say this at all to reduce the significance of people who have very difficult experiences with adhd mm -hmm. but i think on like a cultural level too there's a much almost a kind of adhd experience that people are having that's fueled by this kind of like reduced attention span and and strive for you can in so inundate yourself with novel and new stimulation that like at a certain point you need this intensity and ongoing i don't know i like a lot of people have talked about it with tiktok as well i think where not that something like that can necessarily cause adhd but i think people can end up with similar symptoms or feelings because they've almost run themselves ragged or like reduced their attention span due to online stuff so yeah it's definitely a hyperactive movie i think i can't think of a movie that goes more into that space yeah i think it can be particularly meaningful to people who do have adhd or like who struggle with it a lot my girlfriend she has been officially diagnosed and actually not too long ago only like I think it was like two years ago. She's in her mid-20s now. And for her, it was actually this weight had been lifted yeah. from her shoulders because throughout like her whole life, she had been feeling like insecure or like behind because she wasn't able to focus like everyone else or she was being talked down or being forced like to calm down when she had like more energy that she wanted to express or like stimulants that she wanted to chase after. And even now, like she is... She mostly struggles with like getting on time right. for stuff. Like she's always running late, always in a hurry. And then, or it does lead to people feeling more like it's their fault, which I think is also, it's, it's mentioned in the movie a couple of times. Like it's somehow this pressure gets placed on like the individual. Like you're experiencing all this stress and all this potential and all these stimulants, and somehow it is your fault. And so I think this movie can be particularly meaningful for people like that who feel like they are the ones who are not necessarily broken but who have a deficit or a defect in a world that they cannot keep up with whereas actually it's not their fault and they might not be able to do anything about it or at least it's not not something that they have caused and shouldn't feel like guilty yeah. about i think it's great to have that kind of experience represented and illustrated in a way that's you know i think here like very empathetic and reflective mm -hmm. of like how overwhelming and kind of like the sense of like you know almost helplessness that can sometimes come with that of just being like bombarded and and not being sure how to deal with that or how to escape it or just almost feeling like everything you do to try to like dig yourself out of that world just kind of like piles on more and draws you deeper into especially with as you said like with a culture that's increasingly yes, yeah. bringing more stimulants and more hyperactivity into your existence and to some extent it can be an escape maybe like you for someone who desires a lot of stimulants the world does right. provide a lot more but at the same time i'm not i'm not an expert on the issue so i'm not sure if that's actually helpful or just right. aggravating what is already in a negative issue but yeah shout out to uh the daniels who directed this and all the uh people with adhd out out there who are trying to stay afloat uh, in this wild world yeah and who uh, hopefully feel more yes. validated i think after seeing a movie like this yeah very good cool well that's everything everywhere all at once 
definitely a favorite of mine so far this year. Yeah, I don't know. There was just a lot that about this movie that I loved. And in my opinion, the best multiverse movie so far. We'll see. Mm -hmm. There's more coming, apparently. So there's still a chance for it to be unseated from the yep. throne. It might take a little bit for somebody to top this one mm -hmm. in terms of chaos. and Yeah, I don't think uh, Doctor Strange quite managed to do it. So I watched this before Doctor Strange and I was hoping for a little bit more of this mm -hmm. kind of like bizarre morphing of yeah. reality. Like... Doctor Strange had some cool visuals and moved between different worlds, but this movie definitely shows like how fun of a territory. Like I think in contrast with this movie, it just illustrates like how much they left on the table with Doctor Strange. But if you want our full discussion about that, I'm not going to repeat <laughs> yeah. rehash the Doctor Strange episode. You have to go listen to that on the Nebula feed. That was a good discussion though. Yeah, it was. All right. Thank you all for listening. If you enjoy the show, please be sure to check out our creator-owned streaming service, Nebula, where you can listen to all our episodes a week early, and you can listen to a monthly bonus episode exclusively on Nebula. So far, we've done an episode on Doctor Strange and 1917, and there's a new one coming out every month. The best way to get access to Nebula is by signing up for CuriosityStream, which comes with a free Nebula subscription. You can learn more about that bundle by following the link in the show notes, and we'll see you again next time.